0: Welcome back to another episode of Stimulate Your Mind proudly presented to you by LOF Productions.
1: Welcome back to Stimulate Your Mind everyone. Today I'm joined by Mahmoud Hijazi, good friend and brother to me. How are you today Mahmoud? Alhamdulillah, bro. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. Today we're going to be looking at poetry as a form of expression or as a form of emotional expression. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing and your background.
0: Mm. Long and boring story. You sure you want to hear it? I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's not boring. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, man. I, uh, I, I grew up in Hurstville We're on top of a convenience store, mm. now, which is always good because you're constantly interacting with people. Uh, my parents, they, they started out with barely anything, man, which is a fact I'm very proud of, actually. They built the life around us brick by brick. Alhamdulillah. My parents worked very hard, as I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people's parents did. My father had a very non-conventional way of teaching me. He was constantly challenging my, my beliefs. Anything that, you know, that I'd come up with, he'd constantly challenge it. Um, anything he'd teach me, he'd tell me, don't believe me, go check. Go find it out. Uh, my school life, I barely had any friends. I was a bit awkward in school. Until about year six, I moved schools to a more predominantly Arab school. You are more comfortable? Uh, I guess they were more comfortable <laughs> with me. Um, it's very funny. Like m- the way my life was was constantly switching between the two. So, in about year seven, in about year seven, my parents decided uh, that the following year we we're going to move to Lebanon. They didn't like the way young men were turning out in Australia. I'm sure, many people that are listening, they know what I'm. They yeah, know what I'm definitely. About. They understand what I'm coming from. My parents wanted me to understand my culture. So they decided that we'd, we'd move to Lebanon. So in 2003, it was in the middle of year eight, finished the second term and then moved to Lebanon. And by then, you know, it was in high school, I had a lot of friends and you know, it was, uh, it was a good time, mm. a good time. Um, and then out of nowhere, I'm thrown into this new strange place, this new big city. Into a school where you know I barely spoke the language at the time. I knew I knew Arabic how to carry myself, but you know to to be uh, I guess free thinking in your yeah. in your own mind to like articulate what's what's on your mind, and like, you can't really do it the same way. That's right, you know. And now I'm back to square one where I have no friends and <laughs> I'm getting bullied Yeah, you. yeah. Uh, I had one friend. His name was Hussein Boussi mm. I don't know if you've met him. I'm not sure. There's a lot of Boosies. <laughs> Jafar, Boosies, brother. Ah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, it was me and him for a good year. And then the second year I was there, 2004, that's when a few more people from Australia moved there. Um, that constant changing, you know, and, and always being aware, especially when you're, you know, from a very early age, you're meeting a lot of people, meeting a lot of different, different minds and that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very noticeable. You take on so much, you take in so much. But what, what really, really got me to the point where I was at, I took a, like a process to really notice what was going on around me. It was probably the second year I was in Lebanon. And my friend, Hussein Boussi, I was at his house and our families were very close, very close. His, his mom was like a second mom to me. And she had a conversation with me, you know, trying to, you know, console me. And I told her, I don't, I don't feel home. I don't feel like I'm home here. Yeah. And she told me something. She said, one day you're going to be all grown up. And I was very young back then. I was, I was 14, 15. She yeah. said, one day you're going to be all grown up. You're going to be able to go where you want, live where you want. If you let this time pass you without taking it on as an experience, it'll be a waste of time. But if you, if you stop and... You know, smell the roses, as they say. Appreciate it. Appreciate what's, what's around you. Uh, take lesson from what's around you. This experience, it'll make you a better person in the, fu- in the future. It's very wise. A person of more substance. And, and I took that on board. I took that on board. And then along with another, with another thing that, that I was taught, you know, these things usually come out of hard times. Mm. And, uh, and someone gives you a piece of advice. If you're actually listening... There's a lot of things around you that can help you. Definitely, One of those things was uh, my mum teaching me to really be conscious of your past without going into detail what exactly. But I I took that on with an obsession. I started learning about my grandfather's life, my great-grandfather's life and my great-great-grandfather's life. I wanted to get to know these individuals who are gone from this earth that are in my family tree. I wanted to understand their characters and... You know, I, I started learning more about the place where I come from. South Lebanon, Jabal amil Jabal Janin, as they used to call it in history. Mm. Started to learn about the history of that place and the, the culture of the people. And you start to get a sense of self-worth. Yep. when You learn about your past. And you become connected to it. You become connected. You become connected. And it, and, it, and, it, and it really fills you with a sense of history, a sense of pride, a sense of, you know, this, this entire this entire tree that, that is, is, so, is so beyond what you, what you see in front of yeah. you. And it shapes who you are, the way you look, the way you think, the way your parents think, the way you move, along with the culture, cultures that are around you. In 2006, the war began in Lebanon, and uh, we had to come back here. My parents' parenting techniques, I noticed a big change when we came back here. It change in
1: what way? Like, what changed? What, what was it before and what happened afterwards? In Lebanon,
0: they were a lot more comfortable with me going wherever I wanted. Doing whatever you wanted to do. Doing whatever I wanted to do. Going out late. And then I come back to Australia and all of a sudden I'm not, out, I'm not allowed out after dark. You know, everywhere I go there's 20 questions about it. And, and as a kid, you don't, you, don't, you don't think why. You just think what. Okay. What is, you know. So... You know, then as a, lot of, as a lot of kids my age, you know, at that time, you know, I rebelled to my own uh, self-hurt. You know, like I hurt myself a lot. With so that. which ways did you rebel? Uh, um, I'd wake up in the morning a lot of times and just leave. I Walk to out? I wouldn't listen to my parents. I'd just leave. They couldn't find me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't answer my phone. Um, I really put my parents – I really tested my parents – I ended up getting kicked out at one stage, which was you don't you don't realize it back then, but it was very painful for my parents. It was very painful for my parents. And it was, it was, it wasn't something that that came easy for them. But they have they have other kids to think about at the yeah. same time. Alhamdulillah, one of the best blessings that I find in my life today, the best blessings that I find today is that my parents are proud of me. My parents are, uh, and I'm 31 years old. I just, I just had a son. And Congratulations, by the thank way. Thank you very much for that, man. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's at this point in time, and I remember you had uh, Hajj Muhammad. Yep, Muhammad Talib. You. And the stark resemblance to what he was saying, we have very different stories, very different stories. But when I went off the rails, I went way off the mm-hmm. rails. But, um, but the one, the one thing that's, that's constant is that the more you grow, more you appreciate your your parents' fears, their dedication to you, the, the the hurt that they go through when they see you failing. It's not because of you know. I used to think back then, oh, it's just so they can look good. Mm-hmm. Right? But now now there's there's a lot more understanding behind it. And the best thing about my life today, it's not it's not what money I have. It's not what car I drive. It's not any of that stuff. It's 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 my parents. The fact that when they look at me and they say may God be pleased with you the same way I'm pleased with you. Mm. That's that's something that you can you, That's you an honor.
1: Describe. It's an honor. Even that, though it's coming from your parents, it's one of the it's, greatest it's
0: honors. the greatest honor, the greatest honor. Look, uh, my 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 favorite thing to do these days is to is to sit down with my parents and have a coffee. I don't know how that, how that happened, but yeah. But yeah, it's um it's funny how life works. It's funny how life works, man. You spend your teen years trying to get away from your parents and then as an adult you, you, you do everything you, you can. not wait to get school. back next to them, yeah. And mind you, my like growing up, my father was a very good teacher, man. I used to love our conversations, like he'd always give me uh give me curveballs when it came to faith. From a very young age. I remember times where, you know, we're going to the mosque, you know, it's a regular thing and all this kind of stuff. And then out of nowhere, my dad would just sit me down one day and, you know, Mahmoud, I don't believe in God anymore. What do you think about that? (laughs) And as a kid, what do you mean you don't believe in God? (laughs) Yeah, like what are you doing? (laughs) And he'd force me in a situation where I have to I have to I have to articulate, I guess, why I believe in God. I have to prove to him why I believe in God. And the more he forced me into a corner where I had to question things, you know, you grow up with that in a sense where now my process of learning is, is, is it's, a lot, it's a lot different to a lot, of, a lot of the people I see around me. So it was very effective, that kind of teaching? I believe it was. But my dad, like, you speak to him now, even, he, even he'd say, like, he took a big risk with me in that. Mm. Because sometimes you can confuse a kid.
1: No, of course. You know, of course. sometimes you can...
0: You can push a kid too far and you might confuse him or you might lead him to areas where, you know, he's not able to, you know, comprehend certain things. My dad was always branching me out to different mindsets and different mentalities. and But the one thing that uh, I, I think he taught all of us, but with me he focused on a lot, was was knowing the difference, you know, you know between, between uh, good and evil when it came to tyranny, when it came to oppression, being able to recognize oppression. Mm-hmm. My my house was just full of that, and it wasn't just about our people. It was about uh, in all areas of life. When Everyone pops in yeah. front of you, you. Know what's right and what's wrong. The teen years, I mean, you know, you, you you need to find yourself as a man. So a lot of the times that you see teenagers, it's not it's not more so that they that they hate their parents. It's just they're in a situation where they want to find themselves. Yeah. Okay. And with our parents, there's there's. There's, it's not just a cultural fear. It's not just a fear of, you know, crime. And what, it's more of a religious, religious faith-based fear. Our, our countries are very faith-based. Yeah, they are. You know, it's just, about building the identity here in a Western country. Exactly, exactly. And when, we, when our parents were born overseas, raised with a culture from overseas, any differences they see to their reality, it scares them. It's an attack. It's an attack on, 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 on what they saw, what they envisioned for their children. Nowadays, it's getting easier. It's getting a lot better because they're starting to see that, no, we can, we can be different but still maintain our dignity. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's very important because when you intertwine culture and religion, culture's bound to go. We live in a Western country. Definitely. Culture's it's, bound n- to
1: go. it's not going to last forever. Exactly
0: right. And if you've connected these two so strong, then when the culture goes, religion goes with it. It's a double-edged sword. Alhamdulillah. Now, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of uh, uh, programs in Sydney – uh, run by the youth for the for youth, the youth yeah. from the youth you know it's 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 us for mm. the people by the people exactly and I and I really really see our our religious persona our identity being I guess not I don't know, say like there's this big help for it to mm. nourish it you know there's a lot more avenue to nourish that 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 side of yourself yeah man
1: it's uh so you mentioned something about um, your father's method of teaching all of you. So you have three brothers mm-hmm. and two sisters. Yeah. Was his method of,
0: of yeah, no. teaching very different with your other siblings? <laughs> very different, very different. My dad played it safe with the rest of my brothers and sisters because... Was it because you were the oldest? It was, it was. He, he tested me more than anyone because he had that belief that the oldest turns out a certain way, the rest will follow him. Do you believe that had... Um, that's
1: something to do with culture as well. Being being the culture. first yeah. first son, yeah, like that's yeah. that's big in Arab cultures. Yes, you know, your is. son is the one that's gonna carry your name yeah. and
0: it's definitely he's culture. gonna be you. He's gonna be you, basically. It's definitely culture. I mean, I I believe in in parts of it. I mean, look, everything around us has its positives, negatives. So mm. One of the things that I loved about my upbringing, my father was very involved in a lot of different. Uh, not involved himself. I mean, he was—he was, he had a lot of acquaintances, a lot of friends in in all these different political groups from overseas. You know, so I got to see all these different mindsets—communists, um, Syrian nationalists, all this kind of stuff. I, I interacted with a lot of these different uh, different worldviews, different mindsets, and that. Um, and you you start to realize, look, the more if someone's raising you to constantly be be the type to question, you know, in the right way for understanding and whatnot. You start to see that majority of these worldviews—they've all got their positives. Definitely, they've all got their negatives. Your job is to is to touch touch on those positives, be able to distinguish between them. See that, what so. you can see what you can gain from that. Look, I, I look these, these podcasts—they're they're very new to me. Mm. Look, I'm, I'm only my friends see the side of me which is very open. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in public and around new people. I'm very. You say introverted, or not. yeah, reserved, yeah, very reserved, very conservative. It's, yeah, this is new territory for me, man. Talking about all this kind of stuff like it's uh, that's
1: <laughs> all right. So, let's, let's take a look at the influence of your childhood on you. You mentioned that you were back and forth, Australia, Lebanon, being, being thrown into let's say the pits mm. in both places, and then your father trying to raise you as a man mm. in your early teens and all these different experiences with revolutionary mindsets. And you were exposed to a lot of things that I, maybe me personally, I believe a 14 year old is too much to handle. Mm. It would have been a lot to take in, a lot, of, a lot to process and hence why you were able to rebel so
0: easily. Yeah, look, I, I know what you're getting at. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the major, major mistake that my dad made. Mm. All right, and we've had this conversation, with me. So I love my father. My father is a beautiful man. He's, he's, a,
1: he's a great very man. Intelligent, very
0: intelligent. <laughs> one of my favorite people in I the know, world. Maybe. Yeah. One major mistake that my dad done with me, he didn't do with anyone else, and it was because of that. whole oldest, oldest son thing. From very young, I mean, like five years old, six years old. So no one was allowed to to give me pet names. You know, oh. Hamada and all this. My mum used to, even from two years old, no one was allowed to give me pet. Actually, names. I realized that. Yeah. All your siblings have, have yeah. nicknames, nicknames, except you. <laughs> except me. I, my mum was not allowed to give me a nickname. The one major mistake that my dad made was from a very young age, you're a man. You want something, you go get it. Don't ask me for this, you go get it. So by 11, I was taking the car. <laughs> <laughs> so you took it literally. I took it literally. It's like It's like you're telling me to be a man, but with none of the... Uh, the manly things supposedly <laughs> with, with with none of the positives that come with being a man like you know at the time you can drive I want to drive but um but yeah like you start to want to you start to want to grow up too quick he'll sit me down with his friends and and he'll always teach me you to know, speak your mind I had this conversation with uh with my father-in-law um we are talking about levels of respect I said respect still exists today, but it's in a different form um and that's up for interpretation you know my my father in law's generation was the the generation that would respect without question and without you know without any resistance that's actually
1: a very um if you look into <laughs> arab history mm-hmm. that's actually very prevalent mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you take someone for their for their worth yep and as a man if he gives you his word you respect him yep. regardless yep. if he's lying or not you take him for his word yeah
0: whereas now it's very different. It's very different. I mean, look, some people would look at it as disrespect. I don't see it as No, disrespect. I don't see it as that, you, you know. know? Uh, like I see a lot of a lot of kids these days that like, you can't just get away with it with a kid today and tell them you know do this. Mm. It's not that they, it's not that they're being rebels or anything. Like, I don't. I, maybe they are to a certain degree, but what I see most of all is the question why. Mm. Kids are constantly because they're exposed to so much that you just telling them do this or do that, it's not enough for them. So that's the I'm not I'm not saying that I'm, I was there, mm. you know, where these kids are. I'm just saying like between me and my father, my father-in-law, like his generation, how they viewed respect. My dad taught me different. My dad taught me it doesn't matter how big or small or this or that, you show respect, of course, but you speak your mind, and that didn't happen before. So. Yeah, yeah. It was very different, um, yeah. It, it, was, it was a bit of a culture shock. Definitely. For, you know, for me and my father-in-law getting, in, getting to know stage yeah. and that. But so, yeah, sorry. I just
1: want to take a look now into your your history or your past so, poetry or in writing as a form of okay. expression. Because so, poetry comes in many forms, as you, as you know better than me. So There's prose poetry, there's spoken word, yes, there's, for yes, example, rap, yes, there's music, there's you know, there's a there's a million different ways of writing. Now, when did you write your first poem? Mm.
0: Or like poem under all these subcategories? It's a lifetime away. When I was younger in, in primary school, I was involved in a lot of uh, in a lot of plays. Um, and I loved acting. I fell in love with acting, and because I was by myself, you know, a lot of the times your your best friend is your mind. Definitely. It could also be your worst enemy. It could also be your worst enemy, but it forces you to be creative. Either way, mm. either way, it forces you to be creative. You know, so you know, you see, you see these, you see these young, like young kids, five year olds, six year olds, when they're playing with toys and they're having conversations. That's creativity. Definitely. They're being creative. They're building something, right? So the creativity was there. But where I started putting pen to paper was the second time that you know uh, I, I became friendless, if you want to say. Like yeah. When I went to so Lebanon, when you went back to when Lebanon, I went to Lebanon, yeah, and. Uh, and I literally felt like I couldn't walk out of the door. Everything was strange. Everything was strange. I used to get bullied at school. I walk outside and you're the, you're the Aussie guy, you know. So everyone, you're not one of us. Yeah. It, it's, it's not so, so much so you're not one of us. Everyone wants to poke, you know. Everyone wants to – you're a stranger, you know. Get like, a reaction out of yeah, you. Yeah, get a reaction out of you. And, it was, and sometimes it would lead to like very hostile confrontations and that. I remember I was sitting down at home and I was watching Oprah. Yep. Not that I was so into Oprah. It was, yeah, just, it was on. just on. <laughs> it was just on. And, uh, and that movie with Will Smith, The Pursuit of Happiness, mm. that's a true story. And they had the guy that it was based on was speaking to Oprah. And at one stage in the interview, he goes, I just want to say I uh, thank you. So he thanked Oprah, he said, because uh, something you said when I was younger saved my life. And this guy had been talking, it, it was a f- horrific story. Like, what, I don't want to talk about what this guy had been through because it's very like, graphic. But mm-hmm. like, um, At 14 years old, he, he said that he heard Oprah say that when, when you're going through something, uh, no matter how bad it is, write it down. Whether in poetry, whether in a diary, whether in uh, storytelling, you know, you know uh, script writing, yep. however you want. Just write it down for yourself. You don't even have to show anyone. It's just for your own self. And he said, so I started writing. And then I said, you know what, let me give that a try. So I was about, I had probably just turned 14 or just before I turned 14. It was a lifetime away. Mm-hmm. But that's when I first started writing. That's when I first started writing. I was writing raps. Yeah, I was into my into my rap music, and it's a, another thing. Yeah. <laughs> lifetime away, um, I loved rap because of because of that wordplay, the expression. It was, all yeah. about the, it was all about the expression. Like you would you would live a story through someone else's words, mm. someone that you've never met before, someone that you've you've never even you've never even been in their country, let alone their neighbourhood, and you feel like you know every corner and street. And I was fascinated by that. I was fascinated by people's ability to do that. And I started writing. And I, and, I, and I felt at one stage in that early, early days, in those early, early days, I felt like this is how these guys must have felt. It's like a, a sort of like a freedom.
1: Mm.
0: It was very therapeutic. And everything I'd go through, everything I'd go through, even when I started to gain my confidence in Lebanon, I've been put in a lot of situations which were tough situations, and a lot of times you know you come out better you come out stronger because of those those situations and when i'm constantly writing all these things down you feel like you feel like not 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 self important where you where you think you're better than everyone else but you feel that se- that sense of self worth yeah it evolved from me writing about my experiences to me writing about things I'd come across, pieces of information, or I'd have a conversation with someone, I was around a lot of, a lot of like my dad's friends and a lot of older people and they were very well read, like these, these people were very, very well read, like these people were activists and, and people in politics and whatnot, some of them were journalists, and some of them were, you know, in the military, meeting all these different people and their they're kind of very, very strong views, Learning about learning about life through their eyes, I guess you can say. I shifted. My dad was always talking to me about revolutionary figures. Mix that with the fact that I'm now meeting all these people they're like superstars, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that shaped my writing where I started writing more about political things and my love of history intertwined with that. I started, I started writing about you know, the struggles in the Middle East and whatnot and my whole writing just beca- – you know, I wrote about a lot of things. Mm. I wrote about, you know, I wrote about love. I wrote about, uh, you know you – know, things that you know young kids would think about you know some of it wrong Mm. you know it was real regardless whether it was I'm very hesitant to say this because I don't want people to take it the wrong way but I wasn't looking at the sense whether it was halal or haram okay that's why I'm very hesitant to say that because I don't want people to think hey it's okay go just uh, you know experiment no you're not endorsing it you're just uh, you're taking a a look at what it was exactly right so for for better or worse, this is reality. Mm. This is what I'm seeing. Right or wrong, I'm not here to. T- I'm not here to say that. Mm. I'm not here to. I'm not here to analyze that. I'm just. Yeah, here we're to- analyzing poetry. <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm here to 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 just write, mm. just write, and and yeah, it was. I I never thought I'd ever perform in front of anyone. I was probably writing. I was probably writing for nine years before I ever performed a poem or read a poem to anyone. Mm.
1: So I I just want to deconstruct a few of the things that you 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 touched on. So you mentioned that your your poetry range, uh, your poetry topics range from things about love, Mm. your experiences, politics, struggle. Mm. So I want to take a look at the the early days. Mm. The early days. So did your poetry or your your writing of rap, for example, Mm. that form of writing, did it assist you in In your time of struggle, so when you were being bullied,
0: when you felt like you didn't belong, when you just felt alone, you had no friends. Definitely. Definitely. What it did... Look, one of the things that you go through when when you go to a new country, when everyone's treating you like the leper, you know, because your words come out wrong and all this kind of stuff, you start feeling less than yourself. Mm. Being able to write something that's sounds so good. You know? mm-hmm. And being able to like uh, I guess make yourself a superhero in your own in your own writing sort of thing, it, it gives you it gives you that self-worth where you're like, you get stronger as time goes along. I don't think I'd I don't think I'd have the same confidence within my own thought process, within my own actions in that today, if I didn't write. It, 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 it was therapy on a different level. It was the best thing. I found that this is what I found. I found that it was the best thing that a person can do for themselves. So you found that your
1: writing definitely assisted you in
0: getting out of a tough situation? 100%. It gives you perspective, not just about yourself, but about the world around you. Did it open your eyes to things that you would have never thought about or understood? Yes, yes. Because the more you get into it, you start to realize that, like. There's only so much you can go in your writings with yourself. So it drives that hunger to learn about something a little bit more. I want to know about this more. I want to know about that more so I can put it into my writings. How far can I take this? It starts off as that therapy. But the more you do it, the more you do it. Like Right now, even though, like I said, around you people, I'm not talkative in that. But that's not – that's just me. I I feel like there's a – I don't know how, how I can put this. I feel like there's a strength and power in, in, in secrecy and uh,
1: definitely, whiteness, definitely. You know?
0: But when it comes to sitting with my own friends and my own mates and that, you know, look, when you're able to talk to your friends, when you're able to really, really articulate what you're feeling inside and what you're thinking, so it express helps you yourself, express yourself. It helps you learn, all right? Imagine a room with three, four people who read, explore, Watch, uh, really, really devour life that, that that's happening around. Mm. They 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 notice every situation, and these four people are able to articulate. When these people get together, there's nowhere to go but up. You constantly bounce off each other. You learn from each other. Uh, whereas sometimes you have a person who's very very quiet, even with his own friends. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that he can he can uh, add to the mix, but he holds himself back. Writing for me was one of those things where when you know that you can put these words on paper, bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit, you get to the point where you start to realize I am able to articulate my thoughts. I don't uh, sound stupid. I don't, you know like. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, you become more confident in expressing yourself because it's it's like practicing. Mm. It is the best form of, it. for me anyway, it is the best form of expression. And, and we had this conversation a while ago well, I was saying you that, you know, when it comes to movies and even music and all this kind of stuff, the core of it is poetry. Mm. The core of it. It's very powerful to the point where now if you want to understand uh, a culture 400 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, you look at the arts, you look at the poetry, you look at the, the, the paintings, you look at these things to understand where society was at at that mm. time. That's right. You know? Historians do that uh, all the time. This is, this is, this is a, this, the same thing. This is the exact same thing. It's very, very powerful. But it, not just about what it teaches others about you, but what you learn about yourself. It's more about what you learn. Something about putting down your thoughts, your pains, your hurts, putting these things down on paper. There's something about it that's very relieving. Mm. Sometimes you can't talk to people. I was at a time where I couldn't... There wasn't a lot of people I could talk to. Especially as a young kid. It was constantly being, you know, drilled about you're the man, you're a man. And another thing, I wasn't allowed to cry in front of my brothers. Mm. I wasn't allowed to. If I I would... would, So I'm guessing... I'm guessing that, for example,
1: that not being allowed to cry in front of your siblings, it suppressed your emotions.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So then... In order to bring those emotions out, oh, you wrote. Definitely. And when you wrote, did those emotions come out in other ways, in crying or
0: sadness or – so while you were writing? Mm. While I was writing back then, no. But I remember distinctly certain times where I would be writing because of you know, something would have happened that day or, you know, someone done something bad to me or something, you know, whatever it is. I remember this, you know, that this, this choking anger, not being able to do anything and then writing and then feeling that relief. Being able to tell a story to yourself, you know, and sometimes look, sometimes, you know, you... You're using your imagination. Sometimes you play the superhero in your writings. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's for you. No, it's, it's fine. That's it's, fine. it's you see what I'm saying again. Yeah. It's a form of expression. Exactly right. And 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 like I said, learning about your learning about your past, learning about your history. When all of this gets gathered up, and now you're putting down something on a piece of paper, you start to realize how powerful you actually are. Every person has a powerful story to tell. Now imagine like you know. However old you are, however old you are. I was, I was 13 when I started writing. That's 13 years, I guess you can say, after two years we start understanding what's going on around yeah. us. That's 11 years of experiences. I know it's not much compared to an adult, yeah. but it's 11 years of experiences, seeing things, you know, uh, interacting with a lot of different people. You know. um, these all shape a personality. You know, um, studying acting in Wollongong. One of the things they teach you to become a certain character, you have to understand what makes you, you first. Okay. What makes you, you is your whole life has been a process of building up a certain character. So right now you, right now me, anyone who's listening, the way you are, the things you say, your accent, the way you cut your hair, the way you ask your hairdresser, you know, your barber to cut your hair, how you ask them to cut your hair. Everything about you is a character. Just like you see a character in a movie, you're a character. Doesn't mean you're lying, but what that is, it's it's a truth that's been built up over time. And this is this is what this is what it is. So with all those experiences, now you come to put it down on, on paper you start to understand yourself more. And that, that for me is the key to that confidence, to, to being able to um, grow as a human. The more you understand it, even to the point there's uh, where it's said somewhere, the key to knowing God is to know yourself. Mm. I understand that. Maybe not to its full gem, but I understand, I understand uh, aspects of that for the self, what it does for the self, knowing yourself. The more you know yourself, I believe, and plenty of history's writers yeah. can uh, can attest to that fact, that the more you know about yourself, the more powerful you become, in a lot of different areas, in a lot of different areas in your life. You know, sometimes you see you see the power of word, that men with not the biggest stature, not the biggest muscles, not the, you know, they become leaders. Mm. They become uh, You see it on the, you know, even in schools, on the playground. It's not always the biggest guy. It's very rarely the biggest guy who's most popular. It's it's always that guy or that girl who can articulate herself the best. And express themselves. Express herself the best. And look, expression isn't exclusively good. Mm. Sometimes people go down the dark route and they express themselves in a very, very different way. Very... A combative way, a very confrontational way. Someone said that uh, cursing is the refuge of an of an ignorant man. Mm. Someone who doesn't know you know how, how to, they, express, how to themselves. express themselves. They just you know? swear. <laughs> swearing, uh, cursing, swearing and cursing. It's the it's the refuge of an ignorant man. Mm. You know, the more you the more you write. Look, even even at the most base level, just exercising the brain. Mm. Being able to think of something and then write it down Mm. so beautifully. You know? And the more you write, I think uh, we had this conversation before talking about you take a concept, Mm. say, for example, your parents. Yeah. And you ask someone, how do you feel about your parents? I love my parents. So you say, okay, elaborate. Oh, they raised me, they this, they that, so on and so forth. Okay, elaborate further. And then they come up with something new. They dig deeper into that bag. Elaborate further. They dig deeper. Elaborate further. Now they're talking about how my father is the sun and my mother is the moon, and they, you know, you know, I revolve around my father, you know, all these, you know, whatever. But it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and you find new, fantastic ways to express yourself. That's right. Over one concept, writing in general is that process on everything that's around you. One key thing that, if I could, if I could impart, Mm. you know. I'm no one to impart anything, but I'm just saying for what I've found has helped me out a lot. It may lead you to some dark places, but it will eventually lead you to a very beautiful place. Is being the type of person who never lets experiences go by him uh, frivolously. Mm. Every conversation that you have is important. Every experience you have. Even hanging out with your mates, just a normal hangout. Okay, if you can't, if you can't take something beautiful from this, you tell me what's uh, uh, what's more beneficial. If you were to read a book for a day, mm. for example, learning about anything, learning about your religion, mm. learning about politics, whatever. Like reading a book, studying, or sitting down uh, playing games on your phone. It doesn't take a genius to that's tell you right. what's more beneficial, that's you know? Right. Experiences should be looked at the same way. Whenever you, whenever you lose a loved one, take it as a lesson. What can I learn from this? It's not about, it's not about what someone else wants you to learn from it. Okay? You're the one that's experiencing it. Yeah, you decide what you want to learn. This. You decide, what can I take from this? How can this benefit me? How can, how can this help so me? So essentially becoming the leader of your own journey. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and writing... My God. It my makes God. you a leader. That's, it doesn't just make you a it doesn't just make you a leader. It may not make you a leader, but what it does, it makes you a good mediation in life, like for your for your own experiences where the more you write, the more things you start to notice. Remember how we we're talking about digging into that bag yeah. of elaboration? Okay. So now when you go through an experience, and sometimes I talk too much about this, but I go through certain experiences where I overthink it like for the next three, four days. I'm just, yeah. I, when I went skydiving, <laughs> I, I reflected on that for about two weeks, mm. you know. So experiences, don't let them go by you frivolously. Take experiences. And the thing is, man, like not to put our communities down, no, but there's, there's a lot of experiences in our community, good experiences and a lot of dark, negative experiences right. in our community. People going down very wrong paths, people going to jail, people dying, uh, uh, all different forms of, you know, all different forms of challenging times, you know, and then on top of that, you put the stigma of, you know, coming, you know, where the second generation, yeah. you know, it's putting putting that stigma on and then you've got family overseas that you have to worry about who aren't eating as much as you are, they don't have enough money. That's right. It's, a, you, lo-
1: it's a lot to take it's in.
0: It's a lot. And it's, it's uh, mentally draining as well. It is mentally draining, but... The thing is, notice one thing. You come from Iraq. I come from South Lebanon. Our countries both have seen many, many wars. trials that no other country has seen. A lot of trials. You know, one thing that I've found is that people who are on intimate terms with with death, they know the value of life Mm. so well that when you go there as someone from Australia and you watch these people, Something so simple, I remember this, I was in Lebanon in 2011, something so simple as watching these guys play a game of soccer. You look at them and you know they appreciate their freedom so much because they didn't always have this. That's right. You know, in the days where days are calm, even their get-togethers, the way they eat, you know, you see people like, you know, we know a lot of people around here, you know, from Greece Mm. and from Italy and all this, they're so giving, they're so… That's right. Because of, these, because of these trying times. so They learn to appreciate the little exactly. things. Exactly. So when I bring you to this community here and talk about all these negative experiences, it can take you to dark places, but it can also forge out a character mm. that's very strong, that's right. very driven. It's about
1: how, how you take it as a lesson, how you manipulate it to, be your,
0: to be benefit you. It's not about manipulating it, but it's, it's, it's about extracting the positives from it. Mm extracting the positives from it you know how do you make a gem how do you make a diamond
1: Pressure, yeah this kind of
0: stuff constant pressure this is what makes the most precious things in life Mm. you know it's it's always it's always on the it's always on the other side of that veil of struggle and fear that the most beautiful things are placed that's right that's what that's what i mean when i say like for for young for young you know uh young adults young children who are going through these trying like these trying times writing for me was that catalyst to strengthen myself and it saved my life in the sense where when I went out into that dark wilderness by myself, mm. how I was able to find myself back, okay, was being able to, uh, like I said, ex- extract the lessons from these bad experiences and from the good experiences. Yeah. When someone comes to talk to you, you listen different. You might not listen on the spot. You might not take it on board on the spot, but it means something to you. right? And these are all building blocks that, that, that build that house of safety around you, mm. you know?
1: You went from writing about your experiences, your feelings, your emotions, and basically expressing yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember you told me that you, you had kept a journal for yourself and those things were just for you. Mm. But then... As your writing progressed, so you initially started writing rap, and then you progressed into, into other things. So, for example, you mentioned uh, the next stage was looking at the, these revolutionary figures, mm-hmm. these politics and, and the struggles of the
0: Arab world. Yeah. How did your writing change? Once you find something that captures your heart, a lot of your writing becomes based on that. I already knew myself, mm. I guess you can say um, you 're always learning about yourself, but definitely it gets to the point where now i 'm comfortable you know um, you became more confident, you mentioned became more confident mm. um, I became more confident i wasn 't you know I stopped accepting uh, being bullied mm. <laughs> like I said, the second year as well a lot of a lot of my well, a few of my friends from Australia moved to Lebanon as well, and then we had our own little group and it was good times there was a lot of good times even though it just didn't feel like home there was a lot of good times but now my writing it changed it changed to the point where i was so enamored by these figures cuz i spent a lot of time at home and you know for the first for the first 10 years of my life my dad was constantly working my mom was constantly working so whatever they could do to help us out with our schoolwork that was basically it and then at night I'd have these conversations with my dad, but they really took, took on their, like a new level once we went to Lebanon. Because now my dad, when we were there, we were comfortable, my dad wasn't really working. And now I spent a lot more time with him and these, these conversations took on, you know, they, they became a lot deeper. And by then, you know, I was, I was 14, so I can take on a lot more. Yeah. So now my dad's teaching me about you know a lot more of these figures in depth. He's teaching me about a lot of these revolutionary figures in depth. Uh, taking me through the 60s, taking me through the 70s, taking me through the 80s. Um, and that was, that was a time that you, you can't write a script like That's that. That's right. <laughs> like, uh, it rev- was a movie in itself. It was a movie in itself, revolution all around the world and uh, people standing up and people rising. And, 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 you know, you ask anyone that was around at that time that was involved in, in all these movements, whether the West or the East, it doesn't matter. It was people felt like at that time, they were a lot more informed being informed is being powerful when you're intelligent you don't fear the greatness of this guy or the castles or the palaces mm-hmm. or whatever you know a lot of people were very educated at that time they were very they, they knew how to stand up and say no they didn't have as much i guess the only thing you living, would you know, fear was your own ignorance yeah 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 a lot of these movements that they belittle now like the hippie movement. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're funny. Like when we watch movies and yeah, yeah. the way they make them look. But majority of those people were uni- university students That's and right. professors in that. That's right. These weren't dumb people. Like most <laughs> most revolutions were led by the educated, exactly, the academic. Exactly. Yeah. Like the sacrifices that people made, you know. And that, we're going deeper. into that yeah, topic, yeah. But We're talking about the writing. Yeah. Cool. Because of these things, I was enamored by it. And it just... It, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with all these different figures. And you began writing about them. I began it. writing about them. And then I also felt like as an Arab, as a person from South Lebanon, people can take this however they want. Mm. I felt like I could connect to that. Someone in Cuba or in Bolivia or in Vietnam or whatever, wherever you want, man, wherever you want, like, I looked at it in the sense where we are—we are among those ranks, mm. okay. In our lands, we are among those ranks, and people can take that over they want. Yeah. But I felt special. I felt—I felt blessed. You're part of a movement. I wasn't exactly part of it myself, but like just being from there, like mm. I said, know your history. Yeah. And then when you realize you've got a whole—a whole history, centuries worth of people uh, rising up against oppression. Never being the ones to attack yep. other people, you know. I'm Always sure. standing up for the little Always guy. Standing up for themselves, for, the, for, the, for their own land, for the, you know, for the simple things, mind you. That they, they weren't after castles. They were, uh, they were after. Their the little plot
1: of land, for example. Little,
0: let me till my land in peace, yeah. you know. Let me farm. Ma, let me farm. Let me pick my. my, my let uh, me raise uh, my children the way I want to raise. Exactly them. right. Like let the, me Very know. simple things. like Even to now, like even now, like you see them now. 20 years of an avenue where they could do what they want. I look at my village in Lebanon, Aytarun. Given that avenue where they were able to to uh, to be free to pursue their own educations and their own business, uh, business ventures and whatnot. Like, you know, obviously Lebanon has its own flaws, yeah, but, yeah. but then I look at I look at my village, it was under heavy occupation, because we're a border we're a border village. Mm. After the um, after the year 2000, and Israel is now out of Lebanon, constantly seeing that place excel year after year, year after year. To the point now, they have a recycling plant there. Uh, they have a have a, f- a factory where they make like uh, a yogurt and milk and and you know, all they process that and all that kind of stuff. They have another factory that uh, um, extracts the oil from olives. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, work there's a lot of work going on there. People are very driven. You know they're able to um, they're able to build among themselves. You know, mm. I'm very proud of that. Like you know, you know, you look at these things and and knowing what people are going through, because I was very inquisitive at that time. Because of the way my dad my dad was kind of drilling you know, uh, uh, drilling me to question. Yeah, I was very inquisitive. I wrote a, I wrote an essay in uh, in year nine in Lebanon about the civil war. And I was going around interviewing people that had experiences and the things you find out and the people's experiences, it's like how did you survive that? Not in the sense of uh, your life, in the sense yeah. of mentally. How did you survive that? The things that you come across, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing like when, it, when you compare it to your own blessings and your own comfort. Definitely. It's amazing. Having, having said that, these became my my, they, my superheroes. Mm. These became my uh inspiration. My inspirations, man. And then all my writing became about this subject. I was very proud of where I came from. I was very proud of being on the side that sees uh sees oppression mm. and and stands up against it. Uh, at least even to see the difference. Because there's a lot of people that that don't see the difference. Yeah. They'll, definitely. they'll see these figures as, you know, as uh as troublemakers. Yeah. As, you know, terrorists even, whatever you want to call it, you know. Uh, but These people are leaders of nations. Mm. You now. They're the ones that gave people self-worth. They did. They did. They did. Um, look, I don't want to get on this subject only because, look, there's a lot of people that might disagree with me on it, you know yeah. what I mean? But that, I'm just saying that's what became my, uh, my direction in my yeah. writing was all about that. So do you have um, – any examples of things you wrote regarding uh, regarding
1: that topic, or that using that inspiration to be something you wrote about, or something you began to express your feelings about? You told me it was very enriching, and yeah, you you became inquisitive and you just loved that uh, that feeling of uh, you no know, uh, belonging to something, even though it's just everyone, a thought. Yeah, um, it
0: was a long, long time ago. It seems like a world away, man. Mm. Arise stances revolution, come these words from the cranium Mm. and I was given strength to go from thinking them to saying them Mm. over through my mind I'm replaying them remember where I'm from forefathers I'm not failing them forefathers I'm not failing them none from Bilad al-Sham is where my tale begun. And since the foreigners came in with guns, we blocked the roads with Jordanian sons. My mother, Philistine and my father standing firm up in the mountain of Janine, Mm. split it up in teams when the French bought the guillotines. The world turned its back, but it's our field salted. Those are our children's screams. This is our Syriana. See me, armor, use these words as my armor. The son of a fisherman and farmer, a rake and a bag full of tackle. My name is Carlos the Jackal, better yet, Guevara. Chewing on that cigar, Castro is my father. Hmm. Oppression is the catalyst for me to rebel. A man among millions screaming, viva fidel. Bless those who rise to their feet when elites try to leave us in hell. I'm not the only Arab with a story to tell. Oh, well that's where my brain was at the time
1: <laughs> but you can you can see that you can see that through the words like you just explained what it was mm. okay and you articulated it in a way but it's something that's in your mind mm. but then you put it to words you put it into like writing yeah. in a form of writing that like rhyme or um like Even the hand movements, mm-hmm. you get what I mean? It became an expression of exactly what you felt. Yeah. And... Some funny times, man. No, but like you look at it as... Okay, so the way I'm seeing it is... I know you're the one being interviewed and all that, but... Nah. Just a, just a little two cents from me. I'm just looking at the, the progression now. Yeah, yeah. So it went from this kid who was in a land that's not foreign to him, but it's...
0: Oh, it was foreign.
1: There you go. It was foreign territory. Yeah, yeah. No friends. Yeah. Being bullied. The language barrier and a culture shock and, you know, your your dad hammering you. Be a man. Yeah. yeah. And you're sitting there like, how can I be a man with no friends? How can I be a man? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, we've all felt that. And then you put pen to paper and spoke about your experiences, for example, Mm. your emotions, and that became your out. Yeah. yeah. And then… You move, that basically built your character. As you mentioned before, you're, yes. you're always building a character. You it's know what I mean? Cool. That your hair it's cuts cool right. yeah. Now it's your writing that's assisting yeah. that. And then that moved on as your father started having these, more of these conversations with you. And these conversations developed even more. And you started building a persona. Mm-hmm. Not just a character, but a persona now. Like you are someone who has a mentality, who has a thought process, who has, yes. um, you know, a belief system. Yeah has something that like, gives them self-worth yeah you begin to express yourself in the words you just showed through the revolutionary figures your, your pride in your homeland and yeah. you know your belief in standing up against oppression what happened next
0: then I came back Australia still had that drive to write mm. but it took a very dark turn mm. Um, sometimes, and this is for parents out there, there's two things you can do when there's a lot of wrong around you and you want to keep, you want to protect your children, okay? Sometimes a parent's fears, and I'll never put blame on my parents. It's not about blaming them, but, uh, but what happens sometimes is sometimes your fear ends up... Doing the, you know having the opposite effect of what you're trying to achieve mm. when you don't understand something sometimes your best uh, your best avenue is to reject yeah and not a lot of our parents understood what mm. was going on around us they had a very right. caricature idea of what Australian streets and the like. influence of our culture back home yeah yeah and and when we came back like I said earlier on. I wasn't allowed out after dark, mm. um, and now I got friends. So that's another thing. Mm. My friends weren't look look. They're not. They weren't bad friends, but what they what what they had were bad tools. Mm. There's a difference when uh, you go through a trying time, and let's say you got you got two friends. One of them is religious. Mm. One of them is on drugs. Yeah. I will still call them both good friends, but the tools that they have to relieve you are very different. And that's where it's important where your friends are. And this is where you start going down very bad paths. I had bad friends who were doing bad things. And, you know, my parents always like, they're going to they're gonna get you to do this and they're going to get you to do that and all this kind of stuff. My friends weren't doing that. Mm. And they actually weren't. You know, you hear some kids now, they'll tell you, but my friends don't don't ask me to do this and that I, yeah maybe you're right but it's not it's not it's not that's not where the key is every one of us will go through a day I don't care how religious you are I don't care how non-religious no oh, definitely are. every one of us will, will will go through a time which where we'll hit rock bottom yep in those situations where we stop caring about ourselves and it usually happens in your teen years yeah yeah definitely okay? this is where your friends will affect you without even meaning to hurt you. All of their avenues are wrong but they want to help you. Mm. This is what they have. This is their form of support. This is their form of support and this is how, without getting into detail, this is how it was with me in the sense where like it was this steady decline um, between finding just out of nowhere a complete disconnect with my parents. I built this very respected relationship with them in in Mm. Lebanon and now it was I'm being treated like a child how I perceived it yeah and then then it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and uh, coming back from the war and that school was just down Mm. for me Um, I'm very hesitant on what I can and can't talk about yeah it's fine Um, um, so what happened next my writings took a turn as well still writing mm. but now my writings were still about reality and mm. reality was not a good one so
1: you flipped from so you went from experience to politics and struggle and then yeah. back to experience
0: and back to experience um, in a very negative way but again
1: did it assist you in like, being able to
0: come to terms with the situation at the time no and this is, this is where it gets... This is where expression gets dangerous. Mm. Where expression gets dangerous is when you start to glorify in yourself something that you know is wrong. Okay. Okay. I was taking very bad things. Um, things that I had no right to. So, if someone comes from a loving family, okay, a family who generally... You know, even if it's like, you know, miscommunication, Mm. you know they love you and you know they support you. I had no right to flip it on them. But, you know, like I said, as a teenager, sometimes you go through those times where you're trying to find yourself as a man and the further you go, sometimes, you know, you can really hurt those around you. Very dangerous times, very scary time for a parent. And I appreciate that now. Like I appreciate my parents' struggle now. But, yeah, yeah. I was in a big decline, spiritually, uh, mentally. I wasn't interested in much of anything, you know. And, uh, okay, then what happened? Then I got into acting. My sister in an in a attempt to help me, uh, gave me an interest. Uh, she, she Sorry, she took something that I was interested in and found a way to get me to build on it. Mm. So I started acting. I ended up getting an agent. I ended up doing, I had some TV jobs. Um, And then from one of the TV jobs that I'd done, I ended up getting a very good agent. Suggested that I go study um, acting in uni. So I went and studied in Wollongong. And in that year, that was the year that I started to, I guess, come home. Mm. You're veering back to yeah, your, yeah. Initial, your initial spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's an individual in our community. You may know him. His name's is Hash Hassan Rida. Mm. Hash Hassan Rida initially got me involved in those religious plays. And like I told you, I always had that passion for acting. Yep. And I was deep in it. Like the same attention to detail that I gave my poems, I gave it to acting as well. So when he gave me um, the role of Imam Ali, salam. Mm. One of the plays, and I wanted to do this. This justice. That's when I started, really, really knuckling down. Like you know, I'm, I'm raised as a Shia Muslim. That's right. We know uh, about Imam Ali, alayhi Salam, but when you actually dive into it, into his life, into yeah, into who yeah. he is, the way he spoke, exactly. the way he acted. Now, now, as a as an actor, I used to take it very seriously, and you got to remember, I'm studying, and then. I realized something that was like... I'm I'm a very big pragmatist. Mm. So, I like to look at the human side. Sometimes, without meaning to, you know... We create uh, an aura around Imam Ali, where he's unapproachable. That's right. Whereas, he's very approachable. Mm. It's if not the most approachable. Yes, but... Out of, everything, out of everything you can learn about an individual, his story baffles me. Mm. We've had many of these conversations. Right. <laughs> but the thing is like, like there's so many qualities where sometimes a person may have like two or three maybe like very strong qualities about Outstanding them. qualities. Outstanding qualities. Where Imam Ali <laughs> has... So many of them. We could go for days. We could go for days. And a lot of the times, a lot of the times there, you take two characteristics that are polar opposites. Mm. And he, he, he gives both of those characteristics such a purity. Mm. So his, in, his, his
1: generosity with the poor or his, his innocence when he eats, for example. These, and then
0: him on the battlefield. <laughs> and then him on the battlefield. And then him, even the way he even the way he spoke. Mm certain hypocrites Mm. and uh, certain uh, violent Mm. guffar some of them would even approach him with kindness we had this conversation before where Amr ibn Abdulwood tells him he tells him Imam Ali tells him then come I challenge you for a
1: jewel
0: and Amr says to him why O son of my brother for by God I would not I do not like to kill you. I would not like to kill you. Mm. لا أحب أن أكتلك. Imam Ali replies mm. He says, but I would love to kill you. Mm-hmm. Why did he say this? And this is from a man who in the same battle when and there's different narrations mm. of, what, of what Amr done mm-hmm. but all of them the constant is he done something to anger Imam Ali mm. Mali walks away, mm. he just said, I would love to kill you. That's and right. And he walks away when he's angry. How do you, how do you analyze a character like that? Yeah. I know that that's it. And that's just a small example. Yeah. That's one example of a life that was. Many, many yeah, things. Yeah. 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 So in wanting to give that role justice, I started to move away from uh, haram, Things in a way where it's very memorable for me. Because mm. one thing I got to realize about myself is that I was never gonna get away from my friends, my bad friends. Yeah. So I devised a plan and I, I, want, I want the young ones to listen to this, the teenagers to listen to this. If you've got bad friends, I got to the point where I knew I had to get the circle away from me, not me. Away, away from, from the circle away from the circle. No matter what we'd be doing, sometimes there'd be some yeah. going on. I would force myself, even when I don't feel like it, I would force myself to talk about religion.
1: Mm.
0: And one thing I realized when you just, when you just don't shut up about religion, <laughs> these kind of friends, one by one... They start to disappear. They start to disappear. Mm-hmm. They go into the wind. Yeah. We finish the play. And then... I had about six months, no more friends. Wow. I was home. I was, you know, I was going to work, but no friends. No one would call me. And then I had a book called Hadatul Dai. I don't know if you know it. Translator it for us, what's that? Um Dai means like the You know when you take a kit to work, like a like a lunch bag mm. or something? It's like a or, or sorry, like a tool, a tool case. Oh, a tool yeah, Adat al Dai. Mm. Uh, the, the toolkit uh, of a of a of a supplicant yeah and i opened up that book one day i was feeling especially lonely on that day <laughs> yeah and it and it said something it said those who those who um those who seek the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be willing to accept the hatred of every man on earth wow now it doesn't say seek the hatred of every yeah, man on earth to seek the okay it just says uh, should be willing to accept so if everyone's going right. to hate you for loving Allah, Allah it. you should be willing to accept that mm. okay that's why the but holy prophet
1: the yeah. holy prophet says to yes. uh, Salman if you see all the people walking one way Imam Ali yes. walking the other he goes follow Imam Ali
0: <sighs>
1: like that, that that's literally that whole thing yeah. in just yeah. one hadith yeah. you look at it and it's, it's so as man, you mentioned powerful. Imam Ali is powerful Yeah, is the power of words
0: definitely so as I went along I ended up leaving uni mm. because in dramatic arts I started to see a lot of elements of haram were going to rise up and that was the point where I had to make a decision Alhamdulillah I chose to stay away and new things would open up for me and uh, and then where it, so where my life was that's it no more of that no more of this was at that point I went back to writing revolutionary things mm. just for myself. And then Bankstown Poetry Slam opens up. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was amazed. I've been writing for so long. Okay. And never once, you know, I used to watch Deaf Poetry Jam. Mm. And I loved it, you know. Yeah. And now they had something here. Yeah. Mm. I had to see this. I had to see what was going on. So for the first two times they held it, I I went there and what I saw, my God, I I still remember the feeling. I still remember the feeling of walking in there and you got to remember, this is out west. And all these people would come out. They they had 15 poets every time they'd have an event. And all 15 of them, this is when you're a lover of poetry, you understand what I'm saying, especially spoken word. There's no such thing as a bad poem. Everything that's coming out of someone, it's a window to their soul. That's their heart. And then substance that was coming out of that place. Remember how I said before, in our areas, we've got a lot of trials. That's right. A lot of challenging things. Uh, People go through a lot of tough times. It makes tough people. That's right. But you never really give these people a platform to actually sit down and articulate what they're going through. And enter Bankstown Poetry Slam. Kids as young as 15, 16, people as old as 50, you know, 50, 50 something, whatever, Mm -hmm. and everything between. And everyone's coming in here and they're they're sharing experiences. Uh, You know, they're sharing fears, they're sharing struggles, they're sharing good times, they're stomping their feet, telling you how strong they are. You know, young, timid, uh, timid men and women, you know, really, really being empowered by what? Not by money, not by status, by words. For, a, for a, timid, a timid young lady or young man to stand in a room full of people and, and speak words that force you to stomp your feet, yeah. click your fingers and it was the surge of, of this, of this, of such beauty. Yeah. Like it, it was so beautiful to me. I was so, oh man, it took me, it took me. It really, really took me. And then I decided I wanted, I wanted to write. I wrote a very long poem, and that poem is, it's, it's, it's gone from history. <laughs> 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 my brother accidentally formatted my phone. Oh no. And, I'll, and no one recorded it. Oh. It was the best poem. I've ever wrote in my life. Mm. I'll never forget it. And I, I get upset thinking about it today because I I put everything into that poem and I got voted first. Oh, came yeah. first. Um, it was very nice. Like I was I was very like, you know, very humbled by that. I went the next two times, came second, and then I came first again. Mm. The last time I spoke was what well, it was very painful. I touched on something that like told you i held a lot in yeah. I never used to cry in front of people never used to show my emotion and and then all of a sudden i'm letting my emotions out you know in front of 200 people um it was it was it was freeing but then i something pulled me away mm. something pulled me away after that it was like when you're so used to not showing your emotions i showed my emotions that time and then when you walk away the there's that regret that comes yeah. in. Yeah. It overshadows you. Yeah. And I hid. Mm. I didn't go back. Painful. It hurt. Like it was, I was going through a very tough time. Um, I just lost a couple of family members. One night after the other. I left it. I actually stopped writing completely after that point. And then I can't even tell you how long after that it was. Mm. And... This is how I got into Ahlul Bayt poetry. I get a call from Hash Hassan Rilla again. Mm. It's my big brother. This yeah. the guy who pulled me out. You know, like, I, I, I owe him so much, man. Like, he's, he's, he's the person that, like, I really, like, I really, like, fo- try to try to follow in his footsteps in terms of drive, in terms yeah. of that, that character, that that confidence of a mu'men. I learned that from him. I'd never seen before, like, someone who was in, like, who was powerful, uh, for being a mu'min and you know not being belligerent and swearing and this and that and you know we used to look up to gangsters that's right and then I seen a man who's got you know every problem that a, that a guy can have every problem that a guy can have and, and I know some people you know with tired eyes and just you know a painful look in their face mm. saying yeah 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 I'm going to this, this Alhamdulillah mm. you know but when this person says Alhamdulillah like as a brother, like I, I don't know if you know if he's gonna hear this or whatever, <laughs> but uh, from man to man, when he says alhamdulillah and you know he's going through like, bro, some mm. trying times, you really believe it. You really believe it. Like anyway, <laughs> he calls me up and he says they're having an event and the the hashtag is I am Abbas. Mm. He asks me if I can write a poem for him. Believe me, bro, if it was anyone else. You probably would have said no. I would have said no. Mm. But because it was him, and he has that status with me of a big brother, straight away, anything you need. I went. I wrote a poem titled I Am Abbas. And I read it. And from the process of writing to even performing, it was the most fulfilling feeling that I ever, 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 ever had or ever experienced in my writing. Ever. I cannot explain and mind you, here's, here's something that, that's important to mention. When it came to Ahlul poetry, so as a poet, you feel very proud of what you write. This right. is my writing. This is me. I wrote this and any, any writer that's a constant writer will tell you that. Look at what I wrote. That's it right. Means. It's a very prideful thing. Then this Arabic poetry, there was a detachment where I didn't feel like it was mine. And I was, I was even more proud of it. Like I was just, it filled a hole in me, something that I cannot, I cannot describe. Yeah, it's difficult to explain. You can't explain it. After I finished it, they told me in six weeks time, that, in six weeks time, they're having an event, an event for Imam Ali, can I write a poem? And then what do I remember? I remember... Playing the role. In the role of Imam Ali. And how baffled I was. At who he was, yeah. who he was. And it was just like, oh my God, what am I going to write? <laughs> how do you <laughs> even begin? How yeah. do you begin? Before I had a script. That's right. And it was a very generic script like that was taken, taken from a hadith. And then we play out <laughs> a, a, a play through these hadith. Now you have to express yourself. Now I have to express myself <laughs> talking about Imam Ali, S. S. Initially... When I started thinking about it, I go, all right, first of all, I have to study. Just saying, Ali Ales. Yeah, definitely. So like, any book that I can get my hands on, <laughs> first one I read was Kitab al-Rashad. Kitab al-Rashad, yep. yeah. Um, by Sheikh Al-Mufid. Yeah, amazing book, by the way. Highly recommend book. it. I recommend this to everyone. Everyone. Right, definitely. I even recommend uh, the, the preface part where they talk about the life and times That's of Sheikh right. Al-Mufid. I highly recommend that. Uh, finding out in that, In that what he introduced to to Islamic scholarship. Mm. And this book will tell you about the life and times of all 12 of your imams. Beautiful book. So I started out with that book. And I'm the type of person where I read something, it plays out in front of me and I have to reflect on it. It just drives you crazy. That's right. The biggest part in the book is about Imam Ali. Literally so, one third of the book is Imam Ali. I got to a point where I was like, I can't do this, man. <laughs> yeah, it tells you something. Like if yeah, one third like, of the whole book like, is Imam so, Ali. <laughs> so yeah. I started looking up ports of history. In my I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna read something to you that I found I found it again before before I came here, but mm. this is something I read all the way back then. Mm. And it described my feeling. After the poem but I'm Abbas. Who's this by? This is by Dobul al-Khuzai. It was in the time of Imam al-Rada alayhi salam sure, mm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. What the worst memory with this thing? Mm. But he's a very famous poet. That's right. In history. And he said something that if I had read it before that time, it wouldn't have meant that much. But yeah. because I had just gone through what I went through. So he mm. says, فِي al Mustafa wa wasihi." شغل عن اللذات والقينات إن النشيد بآل محمد أزكى وأنفع لي من الكنيات فحشو القصيدة بهم وفرغ فيهم قلبا حشوت حشوت هواه باللذات وقتع حبال من يريد سواهم في حبه تحلو البذار النجاتي. Basically what that means basically. In these works for Muhammad and his progeny, alayhi wa alayhi, I'm, I'm paraphrasing yep. the meaning. There's, it basically means that there's a... There's like, a there's like a beautiful taste. Mm. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a beauty and a pleasure that enters your heart and removes everything else out of it. Mm. And he starts to say that anyone who brings me anyone but... Muhammad wa Albeit Muhammad alayhi I don't want. They are my life raft. They are my my saving grace. They, you know, this is what he's saying here, and he's talking about the work towards them, and I understood it in that way. Maybe he meant something as a poet. You know, sometimes it's up for interpretation. Yeah, definitely. This is the way I took it, and and I said to myself, and this is what I want to do. All my writing now all my writing now i still write for myself but it's yeah. just literally back it's like back in the old days it's yeah. just for myself just for you oftentimes i'll write and then i'll delete i'll write and then i'll scrunch up the paper and throw it away just uh, as a way of expressing yourself again as a way of just you know constantly being in that in that mode of a writer you know constantly being able to write i'll do that for myself in my own downtime you know just to keep writing but but writing about Ahlul bayt al salam is something that Look, you know what? Anyone that's done any work, any work, volunteering, uh, speakers, uh, reciters, anything, they'll understand that, you know? How I got to this point where religion now at this point in my life is is so integral to every decision I make. It encompasses your whole life now. After that six months I told you about, more projects came up, and it opened doorways where I met new people. The circle of friends started to build from there. I remember we had this conversation. Hajj Muhammad Talib. Yep. Hajj Muhammad Talib, when he was talking in, in, his, in, his, uh, in his podcast, Threats of Redemption, Redemption Beauty, yep. Which was beautiful, by, by the way. Hmm. It was unbelievable. Around the time when he was coming back, that was around the time I was coming back. And we connected at that time. Our circle of friends would... Our hangouts became different to anything I had known before. Anything. This is what I said before about, about friends in uh, the different ways that they help you. Yep. All of our talks became about who these figures are. Knowing the fact that they gave everything for me, mm. for you, for me, for those around us. Like everything they gave was for us. You give me any 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 superhero or any movie yeah. movie movie action hero, whatever, or or any hero in any in any context, and they embody that purity to, to the highest degree of humanity. Mm-hmm. All our talks became about that. See me me and Hajj Muhammad, look, we disagree on on a fair amount of things, which is a good thing. Actually, like, a good thing. Yeah. it drove us to learn. We pick subjects you go read this book, I'll go read that book, let's find this, let's find that. And I, I still remember distinctly, man, we had certain Saharaat where you have about four or five boys, each one's on a couch with a book open, reading. And going back to words, words. The it's, most powerful thing. The most powerful thing. You know, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a writer, there's a writer who wrote... Uh, he wrote a little little uh, construction of a conversation yep. between Imam Hussain and al-Walid. Mm. All right, where he says and this is, this is a solely about word, and it was so beautiful. Yeah. Right? He says, so the story goes, Al-Walid's telling him to give uh, allegiance to Yazid." Yeah. Imam Hussein السلام, declines. He says, a person like that, I won't give allegiance that's to. That's right. So Walid tells him, it's just a word. You know, it's just a word, just say it. Say the, the word say, and that's you know, it. And that's all you have to do. Like, mm. Just say it, just so you can be happy and whatever. Mm. Kalima. Yeah. Kalima, innaha kalima. Just, just say it to him and khalas. Oh, oh. He, says him, he says to him, kalima. He mm-hmm. says to him, أتعرف ما maa مفتاح الجنة في كلمة، ودخول النار على كلمة، وقضاء الله هو الكلمة. الكلمة لو تعرف حرمة زاد مذكور. الكلمة نور وبعض الكلمات وبعض الكلمات قبور. بعض الكلمات تلاع يعتصم بها النبل البشري. الكلمة فرقان ما بين النبي ما بين نبي وبغي. (تصفيق) بالكلمة تنكشف الغمة الكلمة نور دليل تتبعه الأمة عيسى ما كان سوى كلمة أضاء الدنيا بالكلمة وعلمها للصيادين فساروا يهدون العالم الكلمة زلزلة الظالم الكلمة حسن الحرية إن الكلمة مسؤولية (laughs) To translate that, words are very important. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, everything is words. It's the difference between life and death. It's the difference
1: between heaven and hell. Exactly. It's the difference between an oppressor
0: and the oppressed. Exactly. And it makes your reading different. Because now when you pick up a religious book, okay, it's all all stems from you being able to express yourself that's right because now when you open up a book it's not a book that you have to study and gruel through and all this kind no, of stuff the booky experience it becomes an intimate an intimate relationship with your imam that's right a touch and feel where you see that it looks you, you understand where they walked here, you follow them. Mm. You follow them. And you may not understand the Imam himself, but what you do is you feel closer to him. That's right. The words that come out of the paper, they start to form pictures. And you feel you feel so connected to that. Expression in writing, this is the world that it opens up for you. These nights what I'm talking about when we used to ushar, me, Muhammad Talib, and, and other and other of these, you know, other of these great, great friends that that I will, like, I will have them as brothers, inshallah, until the day I die, inshallah. Mm. And you're one of them. And these, these times where we sit down and we discuss and we disagree mm. and we read and we look and we ask and we study and we find and we, we seek, it all started from words. It all started from being able to express. I'm sure you've heard of the hadith, uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he says, oh, my brothers, my brothers. Mm. Paraphrasing, he said, how, yeah, yeah. how I miss them, basically. And the, the companions will... Right are we not your brothers? Are we not your brothers? What does he say? He says, no. He says, my brothers... Are the ones that will love me without seeing me. Without seeing me, but what? They will love me from ink on paper. Mm. Ink on paper. Imagine not having a relationship with ink or paper. Mm. This, is, this is a life that I, I, I can't imagine. Like I can't no. imagine what my life would be like were it not for writing, mm. were it not for reading, were it not for these things. And I'm not talking about, you know, like jumping on Google. and
1: No, no, no. You know, I, like, it really is um, like the essence of life. It, it, is. it really is.
0: Al-Quran. Al-Quran. I asked... I asked uh, some of the, boys I asked you the same question. Mm. You know, when you look at the miracles that other prophets have brought, yeah? Musa alayhi salam split the split ocean. Split the sea,
1: yeah. Staff into a snake. Isa alayhi salam cured bought, the leper. Cured, cured the, the
0: leper. He brought someone back from the dead. Yeah. But what would you rather? And I asked you this just on the level of an imam. Yeah. I said, what would you rather? See the ocean split or get a personalized letter? Personally, for you, from the Imam, where he writes you a letter and you get to keep the letter for the rest of your life. And you get to give that letter to your sons and their sons and so on and so forth. A letter, for, what would you rather? Personalized letter. Personalized letter. Of Imagine then I tell you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written you a letter for you personally. Yeah. For him, for her, for everyone around us. Okay? But he's talking straight to you, Ummah right. Muhammad. He wrote you a letter. Words. This is, this is the importance. This is the importance of, of expression. And believe me, the beauty of that world, it unlocks from your own fingertips. When you're able to just sit down by yourself, it doesn't matter what it is. And believe me, people who think, I can't write... If you can speak, you can write. You can write, definitely. Okay? Definitely. If you can, spe- if you can look at something, look, if you've, ever, if you've ever loved anything in your life, you're already a poet. That's right. Che Guevara once said, the revolutionary cannot be a revolutionary unless he loves deeply what drives a man to leave his home and sacrifice and give and fight and die for something what that he just, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Mm, no. no, it's love for love, definitely. For love, if you've ever loved anything in your life, you can write all these figures that I've talked about. All these, you know, people who I, I learned to revere and all this kind of stuff. They were writers. Mm. They were writers. Maybe not rappers. Yeah, you no. Know, or, or, or writing, writing, as we mentioned
1: in the beginning, it comes in many forms.
0: Many forms. Many forms. But if you've ever loved anything in your life, ever, we had this conversation where you wrote a poem mm. about ziyara and I knew and I asked you and you confirmed it. Mm. This is only because I've, I've been there. I've been there. I, I looked at this poem and I said, you were crying when you wrote this because there's a difference between you start to be able to tell certain poems and certain poems. And you know for a fact that certain poems are linguistically beautiful. Conceptually beautiful. But then you read something that you know came from the depths of a person's heart. Mm. That's why I love Bankstown Poetry Slam. People were sharing their most intimate pains, most intimate pleasures. It It was something profound. Something profound. You asked me once, is poetry a dying art? Yeah unfortunately yes because it's being overshadowed by the beauties it's produced itself that's right poetry produced all the music that you love mm. just the movies the movies that the, you love to watch the skits and the... all these all these things mm. poetry bore that and it's now it's like, the, it's like the forgotten mother <laughs> that's right who stays up late at night to feed her child and and Pains her back mm. and goes hungry, and all these things just to make sure the child's comfortable. The child's comfortable, and it grows up to be strong and and, and you know mm. you know full of full of grace and life and love. And once he grows up, he forgets all the things that his mother. Does. That's right. And this is what this is what people are forgetting about poetry. Poetry is the mother is the mother of all art. All art. What do they What do they say? Look, look. Even even to the point where where someone's poem, someone's poem is like an artwork, it's like a picture, right. people are you know, constantly describing certain, certain poems like a picture in your mind, you know? In, you know in, in saying all that, you know, we touched on these things, what keeps you in a, in a positive mindset, Right. What keeps you in a positive mindset, I, I said before that, you know, you know, you can have good friends on both sides of the track, I didn't say you can have beneficial friends on both sides of the track all right people like yourself people like Hajj Muhammad Hajj Muhammad's road to redemption is a story that we can it is poetry in itself that's right okay it is poetry in itself because we can all we, we can all see where he's coming from mm-hmm. and we can all uh, take a lesson from it. Uh relate mm-hmm. we can all relate to that story it doesn't matter how old doesn't matter how young you are the things that he, he experienced growing up, uh, we can all relate. We, mm. can, we can all relate to these things. Coming back to your origins, that's individual. But the, why I say it's, a, it's, a, it's poetry in itself is because following someone along their journey, realizing all the commonalities. Mm. He has parents who are scared for him. Sometimes they get angry at you. Yeah. Sometimes you misread that anger. Sometimes your own self-doubts take you to places that are ugly. Sometimes your own, uh, your own view of, of self-worth, you know, is enough to break you completely where you go against everything you were raised to be or, every, or everything, I don't want to say raised to be like, like our plan, like our life is already planned for yeah. us. But, but when someone's trying to keep you safe and then you purposely jump in front of the train, and then you wonder why it hurts five minutes later. You know? You understand that we can all, we can all take a look at these kind, of, these kind of individual stories and see ourselves in them. That's right? right. Poetry is the same way. Poetry is taking an experience that we've all seen and giving you a new view on it. You know? Different angle. Different angle. Different perspective.
1: Definitely. Very inspiring chat, Mahmoud. Thank you very
0: much. really appreciate it very sorry for (laughs) carrying on no it's brilliant thank you thank you very much thank you for having me bro this was a pleasure stimulate your mind is proudly presented to you by lof productions for more of our podcasts where we try to cover all the interesting topics happening all over the globe and also the personal stories of people right here in our own backyard subscribe to stimulate your mind on apple or google podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast see you guys in a little while